Hi guys, it's Dominic from the MS Guide and welcome to another podcast. Today we have a really special guest who knows an awful lot about how the NHS works at very high sort of technical levels. She's also an MSer. But before we get started, I introduce you to our guest who's called Wendy. Let me just please ask you, I do this off my own back. I need support. I cover most of the costs. A few people support me on Patreon, but frankly, a lot more of you could. It's less than a cup of coffee a month. If you live in London, that is. I just bought coffee in London and nearly fainted. But I'll put all the links in there. You can click the super thanks button. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe and click the like button. At the very least, I'd be grateful if you did that. It'll tell the algorithm. But anyway, enough of me with my hand out to you because I do need your help and it's a free resource. Let's meet Wendy. Wendy, hi. How long have you had MS? Hi, Dom. Um, I've had MS since um, 2021. Because when I was diagnosed, probably a little long, lot longer than that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people. Um, Everybody says that. Absolutely, it's true. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, I've, I work in the NHS. Um, mm. So I think that probably gives me a little bit more knowledge sometimes of how it works. Wait, wait but that would give me the game away. You're at a senior enough level that you can really see how things are working at multi-hospital level. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's it's ideal because I wanted to talk today, and a lot of this applies to the NHS, but I think there's some good learning wherever you are, and we're going to cover how to get a referral or a second opinion, what the differences are. Um, I could paraphrase and say, well, frankly, if you sort of worked out that possibly your doctor is not giving you the kind of care that you see other people maybe getting or you read about or you hear about because you're watching something like this, what do you do about it? And what can you do about it? But before we kick off, I just want to read you one thing, Wendy, that I found when I was doing some digging in preparation yeah. for this. That's the NHS UK website slash patient choice. Oh, yeah. Your choices in the NHS. So this is the government talking to us, the people, the patients. Bear in mind, the government's got very rose-tinted spectacles sometimes. Did you know that in many cases, you have the legal right to choose where you have your NHS treatment? The NHS is offering you more and more options to enable you to make choices that best suit your circumstances, giving you greater control of your care and hopefully, nice word there, better results. So that's the government essentially yeah. to be stating ambition, but they say it's a legal right. You know, there's even a PDF leaflet um, taking you through this, which I'll link everything in the show notes, in the description, whatever. So you can refer back to this if you're watching and wondering. But Wendy, I think the first thing we need to clarify is what's the difference between a referral and a second opinion? Well, I was just smiling actually because I remember when they announced it, when it came in place, the patient choice agenda, and it was part Wasn't of that Tony Blair. It was NHS plan. It was part of the original NHS plan. I remember it, and it was so difficult to try and implement these, but so great, so brilliant for patients as well when it first came in, and you know, it's still yes. going now. And um, so the difference is really is that. Well, how I was advised on it, actually, because I did seek some advice on it, was that um, a second opinion means that you don't interrupt the continuity of the care you've already got, which is really important. So, so, so you've been diagnosed with MS, you've been put with a neurologist, yeah. let's join those dots up and say, yeah. but you may be thinking, I think there might be another way to go about this, or I might think I'm missing out, or whatever it is, or I want somebody who's friendlier, or whatever, you can seek a second opinion. That's right. And and that's that's quite... You've, and how you, do you do that? How do you go and say, essentially, 
I think to a lot of people, they feel like they're questioning their doctor's ability. And I know many people who are a bit unsure about going, who do you see to get a second opinion? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right again. And that, that there's a lot, you've been right about a lot today, Don. But I think there's something about you, Wendy. <laughs> that you're thinking about that, you, you know, you feel guilty. You think, oh, I really like these doctor. I don't want to upset them because they've been really good to me. And actually, oh, I've heard that yeah, so much. You've got to put that to one side because yeah. actually, yeah, really nice guy. My neurologist is, is lovely. But actually, you do think, is there anything else? Is there something else I could be doing? And you start to read about things and you think, oh, maybe I could be trying that or doing that. But this, in in essence, in, sh- like, well, in short, really, is that a second opinion means that you have the opportunity to seek the opinion of a different neurologist to yours. And how do you go about that? So go to your GP. There's a couple of things. Is your family doctor? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of things you need to do for yourself, actually, to be honest with you, which is do your research, okay? So, so have a look around. You know, tap into some of the networks available. You know, your we'll channel. come on to that and say how do you pick a yeah. what you consider to be a better doctor? But because I think that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, it is. So w- once you have a name, you go to your GP. People yeah. don't realise that GPs are actually. Well, not only are they great doctors because they have to look at a wide range of things, but they carry a lot of power, essentially, don't they? They, they do. And I think it's so underestimated what they can do for you. I mm. think some of this is the difficulties around access, you know, the um, interpretation of I can't get to see my GP, I can't talk to them. And you do have to plan for this. So you may have to wait. I had to wait three weeks for an appointment to talk about this because mm. it wasn't an emergency. Um, but when I did talk to my GP about it, they were amazed. And I'm very lucky. I've mm. got a fantastic GP. GPs want to know what you want, actually. You know, they've got a 15-minute window, 10 to 15-minute window to discuss this with you. So go in, prepared. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need your help with. This is what I'm thinking. Um, I mean, my GP said to me, Wendy, I... I I know you want to you want to tell me all about your story and your journey, and tell me all about it. And I'd love to listen to it, <laughs> but you know you can imagine, can't you? But I need you to just <laughs> tell me what it is that you need from me because I've literally got five minutes, and then we'll have another appointment after that. Um, and I remember getting, oh, okay, no problem. She said, See, I, I've got a friend who's a GP. They've got MS as well, but we're like you said, you you hit the nail on the head. GPs haven't got a lot of time, yeah. And when you, the patient, turn up and go, I would like this, please. Unless the GP thinks you've taken leave of your senses or you're asking, your, you can't say, doctor, I'd like to have my leg cut off. That's not the sort of thing. You know, but if you say, I'd like a second opinion, they've got a computer system. They've got pre-written letters for this kind of stuff. This is music to their ears. Yeah, fine. I get you out of my consulting room in under 15 minutes. I've forced a little bit of time. I write the note saying, refer patient x to dr y it's it's just a winner dumb i've spent 22 years in the nhs and i had so many conversations with colleagues about oh they're not going to want to refer me and what if they don't and i really got myself in a bit of a tease and i really understand the system so i understand what might be making others anxious but it was so easy and so smooth and actually all i really needed to do was prepare for that appointment and be very clear what i'm thinking and my gp actually turned around and used the following she said this is the kind of thing that makes me want to be a GP is to look after people with long-term conditions. This is why this is why I became a GP. This is exciting for me to help you with this. So I think I think people will be surprised because I didn't expect that either. Yeah, well, it's all the umpteenth child with a runny nose and the mum going, oh, what, yeah, what should we do? Which is 
I think mums care, obviously, but it's just, you know, when you're a GP and you see the same thing over and over and over again, it's a bit of difference and it's a bit of, like you say, this is why I do this. You know, because I, GPs are about making relationships with patients. And I think it's one of the things that seems to have suffered in the last four or five years, partly through the time pressure, you know, but GPs' ability to build a relationship with an individual person. So you know, when they get to intervene and do something for you, that's great. You know, I haven't got to, but wait, the other thing we need to put in the context, this does not mean that you jump a queue or anything like this. Your GP merely refers you. It goes off to the consultant at the hospital and, you know, you can, you can live, um, you can live down here uh, in Oxford, but want to go and see somebody in Oxford Street. You know, but the doctor's going to look at you slightly askance and go, do you want to go that far? Because it's down to you to get yourself there. You know, they'll make the referral if you insist. But so you sort of got to choose wisely and choose somewhere that you can get to easily. It might not be that frequent, but you're going to be seeing them at least once a year if everything goes to plan. Yeah. But you're not going to get seen immediately, are no, you? No, not at all. And I was about to say that, actually. Don't think for a second, oh, well, Wendy works in the NHS. I bet she got <laughs> straight in there at the front door, straight on the top of the list. Absolutely not. And and I think, you know, I haven't... Oh, I wasn't thinking about you pulling strings, yeah. But no, it was but it's just, true, yeah. though. People anybody... watching this or listening to this may think that. But what I need mm -hmm. to say is that, actually, how I've been treated and the access and the support and what I've done is absolutely no different to anybody else who has nothing to do with working for the NHS. It's completely mm. process-driven. Okay. Let's move on to, if you've decided for whatever reason that you're not got the either the best relationship with your neurologist, and frankly, we're all people. I think neurologists, doctors, you, me, we've all done different things in our life. We're all specialists in different areas. To me, a doctor is somebody who's gone to school and studied some stuff that I haven't really, really hard for a really long time. You know, so they know they could draw you a mock-up on the nervous system where I could just kind of go, well, it, it looks like a load of wires. But, um, you know, there are people at the end of the day, they have hopes, fears, ambitions, just like you or me. You know, so we need to remember that you're not always going to just gel with everybody automatically. And so if you've come to the stage where you've said, I want to see another doctor, what do you think? I mean, what were what were the reasons? Because you, you've recently sought a second opinion. I mean, what, what drove you to that, Wendy? Why did you think, oh, I mean, and you work in the, you know, but it wasn't the NHS that, that made you think that, was it? No, not at all. Was it I, your colleagues? No, not my colleagues, nothing like that at all. Mine was um, doing some research, actually. Mine was linking in with people uh, with, with MS and with extensive knowledge and research and, you know, kind of like what what's good, what could be better, what opportunities are out there, what you could try differently. Um, I'm not being funny, your channel, this channel, you know, talking to you, Don. Um, and I'm just you saying that. That's flattering. You know, it really is, isn't it? Somebody sent me a comment saying I'd be going crazy if it wasn't for the, the MS guide and Dr. Boster in the States. But it is true. So, and you I know, thought, I am I thought, oh, Yeah. But it is true. But and no, but then I get to interview people like Dr. Bart the other day who just, the way he described how he delivered MS care to MS patients. And you think, if I had heard him, you know, I kind of wish I'd heard a lot of this stuff long ago because I've had MS 31 years, whereas you sort of just had it, it feels like yesterday. But, um, you know, it, it's just, 
it's so different and it realized that it's down to the person delivering the care and the person receiving the care. But this also gets me, Wendy, because I've got the channel. People get in touch with me and say, who should I see? And I'm like, you know, it's horses for courses. And like you said, do your research. And the way you do that is you, I mean, I can rattle off a bunch of doctors off the top of my head. Twitter, there's nothing to stop you finding out and following. There's a great MS community on Twitter. Um, there's YouTube. There's, uh, it depends if you've got a sort of academic bent and are happy searching some of the more academic databases, you can drill down. But I mean, let's just take a couple names from the UK. Yeah, and they're not the only ones, but so there's Professor Gavin Giovanoni, there's Professor Klaus Schmierer, there's Dr. Tarunya Aaron, you know, there's Dr. Wilbur or whatever, but you see them, you see them being interviewed or something. The way you drill down on that is you just think, Google their name. Where do they work? What have they published? Because it's, they're essentially academics as well. Who else have they published with? Who are these other doctors? Google the names. Who are the ones nearest me? Um, what are the teaching hospitals nearest me? Because you tend to get teaching hospitals tend to be the real hubs of of intellect, shall we say? And then you know it gets spread out, and and sometimes people in the shall we say in the provinces work really really hard to stay current, but frankly some don't. You know, and if you've ended up with one of the ones that is maybe got one eye on the door because they think I'm retiring in three years and their heart might not be in the, in the same way. You know, but you've got to find out who these people are because you've got to decide what they're like. You'll find most doctors, you'll probably be able to Google videos of them giving a talk or something. And you think, oh, I like that person. I can get on with them. Or it's not a guaranteed thing, but the people that provide the best MS care are usually the ones that are the big names that you see. And then they all have doctors around them, you know. So, um, you know, um, I can think of, take Barts, um, take Dr. I mean, Professor Gavin Giovanni. There's a whole sort of ring of other doctors there and he will be influencing them. So they're more likely to be following and sort of having the ethos that he does because he writes a lot and you see things. I mean, that's just an example. Or same thing with Dr. Bosser, you know, he would, you'll see who he's worked with in the States if you're watching in the States. And um, who he's published papers with, who some of his colleagues are. Hell, the way I do it, I just email somebody. You know, they might not reply. People say, "How do you get guests on the MS Guide?" And I said, "Well, I ask them." Hi, folks, and we're back from Dominic's technical difficulties because my podcast software had a little wobble, so I'm back, Wendy. Have you kept your train of thought since I was fluffing around in my head? Oh, I'm sorry. Ca carry on where you left off, because that, that was me. I think I have. I think I have. Huh. It's all right. It's given me time to think. Mm. So basically, you get, you know, people aren't unapproachable. They they want to help, you know. So just, just approach. If you do your research, I keep saying about doing your research. Yeah. I can't begin to tell you how important that is. So doing it for yourself. Nobody's going to come along and do it for you. Going to your GP, your GP is not going to turn around and go, oh, I know the best MS yeah. neurologist. I'll refer you straight away. They won't because they probably don't know themselves. You're assuming that your GP has an intimate knowledge of MS and they will turn around and say, you're the expert. My GP said to me, you know more than me about this. So, hmm. you know, you Use Twitter, use Instagram, look at some YouTube videos, have a look at, for me, 
for me personally, what was important was somebody who's interested in research as well, because actually that told me that that person is looking all the time for new things, new solutions, new opportunities, you know. One of the big things in, in MS patient care, as we well know, is there's the and they're declining, but they're still the older school of, oh, well, it's not that serious. We'll just wait and see. And I mean, actually, it's an incurable, chronic, progressively disabling illness. And the problem is, is when a patient presents, I mean, maybe, maybe looking like this. I mean, you and I both can pull off looking fine. You know, probably we were comparing notes earlier. We've both got the dodgiest right legs. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't run. I look like I'm trying to pick up sailors. It's not a good look. You know, and uh, you know, or I fall flat on my face if I tried jogging up the stairs as I did the other day. I went face plant on the stairs, but um, but but the fact is, people think, oh, it's not that serious. You know, um, they don't, you're not going to die. And it's like, well, frankly, I prefer not to be disabled before I had to be either. So 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 there are doctors, and uh, more and more these days, who I mean, this is research based. Yeah, that's the thing. Or treat it? MS earlier with our efficacy drugs because it's about preventing our slide into disability and trying to extend the time between relapses and reduce the severity. And, you know, frankly, back to there's people who want to be friends with their doctors. What you've got to remember is you have a one-to-one -one relationship with your neurologist. They have a one-to-many by necessity. You know, they may be really socially skilled and make you feel really good and hell, good fellow, well met and all that kind of stuff. But the door shuts behind you you're gone from their mind, mostly, and they're firing up the computer to get the next set of patient notes up and saying to their nurse, and so anything I should know about Wendy, because I've just seen Dominic, and um, you know, and they don't lie awake at night, generally worrying about an individual patient, or if you sought a second opinion, or even a referral, and you said, so this, I want to move entirely, that doctor's not going to be lying there, broken-hearted that you've left them. Are they? I mean, you work with tons of doctors, Wendy. It's uh, I mean, have you ever heard any of them say, oh, my God, you know, a patient's gone to see somebody else. I'm so hurt. No. And they just want, they just want, genuinely, people go into that profession because they want the best for you. They, they hmm. want to see good outcomes. So, actually, if you do seek alternative opinions, alternative care, they're not going to be upset by that, actually. I mean, you know, I worried well, about it. Like are, I said, they've got a problem. Well, I worried about it. I said that to you. I worried about it. And then I thought about the guys that I work with who are fantastic. Bit of a shout out there. Um, I, um, You're going to name they, anyone? No. They, <laughs> no, because they'll kill me. But I do actually, they are amazing. And genuinely, the majority just want to see their patients, you know, having good outcomes. Um, so, yeah, so I think that was. And another driver for me, just to make, make you aware, Dom, another driver for me was that, I have um, spinal lesions and they're um, in my cervical, no, my cervical spine is sort of littered. Um, and so for me, that's a lovely one. Littered. I mean, I between like, us, it looks like a bomb's gone off. That's it. Well, between us, we've got a good set of legs, I think, Dom, to prefer. But, no, um, we've got two left legs. That's the problem. Oh, it's not going to work, is We're it? We're never going to win a three-legged race. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll just be walking around in circles going, come here. No, you come here. Chasing. But so my cervical spine is, yeah, littered bomb's gone off and um, so actually for me spinal uh, mri hugely relevant i really yeah. wanted and actually i found it really really difficult to get a spinal mri in my reviews now i'm not a shy person you know really? and i still no i know you wouldn't believe that but i find it really difficult to get that 
that support to get those spinal um, MRIs. What you're saying is when you asked about this, your neurologist said, no, I'm not doing a spinal MRI. And you're thinking because you've read stuff and you've researched stuff. And yeah. also, I, you don't need to be an anatomical genius to realize that, you know, it doesn't stop there. You know, if the brain and the spine are connected and the spinal lesions occur, you know, the spine actually goes, the the, nerve, you know, the, the cord goes about halfway down your back, really. But I just can't, and I said this to Dr. Parr, I said, why don't people do spinal lesions? And he went, oh, that's a, I mean, spinal scans. And he said, that's a very good question. I scan everybody. You know, so it's just, is, is, it, is it an old school attitude? I don't get it. You know, because I'd want to know if I was the doctor. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, MS, tough luck, you know, sucks to be you. You're going to go downhill. Because 20 years ago, neurologists just managed your decline. They couldn't intervene like they can now. I think, I think, and I think um, that's um, one of the points, isn't it? Is that actually, for me, the argument against it was it only gives us a certain percentage of additional knowledge about your condition. And I uh, sat there good? and thought, yeah, but I, I sat there at Dom, I sat there and thought to myself, if somebody said to me, there's a 1% chance of you walking out your door today and getting hit by a bus if you cross the road, I'd stay indoors today. I'd go tomorrow or I'd go around the back door. I wouldn't just do it, even with 1%. So I was kind of confused by this, you know what I mean? I kind of sat there and thought, not sure I like I this. I interviewed somebody called Anne. The podcast will be up before this one. So if you're watching this, that it'll be, uh, I'll try and put a link in if I can remember. But Anne had cyclophosphamide, I think, or or it was one drug. But they, they, they you know, because she's she went from walking to wheelchair really quickly. But the doctor said, well, there's a 50-50 chance that it'll kill you. And she was like, when do I start? You know, because the doctor's just got, you're thinking, God, if there's a 50% chance it'll help me, a one in two chance it'll help me, I'll give it a go. You know, so... If if even with tiny odds, you know, if they could determine that, and frankly, the neurologists are not generally looking at his first line. The neuroradiologists are, you know. So when you have a scan, it goes to a neuroradiologist who goes and gives a report to the DMT, which is the um and the MDT rather the multidisciplinary team. So you have the neuropharmacist, the neuroradiologist, the neurologist, the MS nurse. They'll be sitting around saying, "So what do we do with Dominic? What do we do with Wendy? Should we change their drugs? Is this stable? How are we going to run this?" You know, it's put it this way: that's in an ideal world. I've heard circumstances where that doesn't always happen, but you know, it, again, I want somebody to look at this. That's where AI is coming in. AI starting to look at scans that can spot stuff that, frankly, is too small for the human eye sometimes. But that's a different conversation, you know. So how would you go? Sum it up again. Okay. Let me see if I got this right. You Essentially, go. I'm not thrilled with the care I'm getting. So I go to my GP and I say to my GP, I give them a name, and I say, please, can you refer me to them? Is that yep. is that correct? Well. I'd like to just add in that I, not just that I'm not thrilled. It's is there another way? So for me, it was kind of like, is there another option? I'm is there another to be way? Nice, Wendy. I know you are. I'm thinking, is there another way? Is there something else that could help? You know, my progression or help? You know, so um, yeah, absolutely. Have a look, do your research, tap into all the networks, Instagram, Twitter. You mm. know, start looking around, looking at YouTube. Oh, I give an Instagram warning. There seems to be. Not full, but there seems to be a place where it's more likely to run into the wing nuts, you know? Suck on this root and your MS is cured. It's like, 
So yeah. where, where, just, just, I think it'd be good. Where would you look, Dom? Just from your perspective, you're really experienced and knowledgeable of all this. And where would okay. you look? So, Twitter, you don't see. I mean, if you're looking for MS, you know, I mean, pick somebody like Professor Schmier, Aaron Boster, um, Barry Singer, whatever, and look at who else they're connected to, and start going through their connections because they have professional stuff. It won't be their personal Twitter account. So, um. But you want to sort of see the names, you know, so whether it's Mitzi Joy Williams, if you're in Atlanta, you know, or, um, you know, Aaron Boster, if you're in Ohio, or Brandon Bieber, if you're in California, um, it is, it's your, or Professor Schmierer, if you're in London, or maybe it's Professor Nicholas at Imperial College, because London's a big place and they're on opposite ends of London, you know, or, yeah, you know, also, I think the thing is, you can get referred to, whether it's, you know, Dr. Wallace Brownlee and Professor Schmierer, they may accept you into their clinics, but you might not be seeing that person. I mean, I happen to know, speaking to Professor Giovanoni, he said he's just absolutely, he hasn't got space for another patient. So it's not that he doesn't want to see you. You just can't split yourself through ways, but he's got many people that work with him. But in that clinic, you know, in that, in that hospital, in that treatment sort of scenario, so you might be seeing one of his colleagues. You know, they're, they're you know, I say some of the more, you know, more junior ones, the relatively, you know, Dr. Ben Jacobs, for example, works at Barts, and you may end up in front of him uh, if you got referred to Gavin Giovanoni. And I think the other thing as well, Dom, just to mention is, it's not going to happen quickly. And I no. think we have to manage, we have to manage expectations here, the yeah. NHS, you know, we have got long delays at the moment. And I think, you know, you will go to YouTube, this process for me has taken... Oh, I'm just thinking it's been a few months actually. It's been quite a few months. And actually that's, that's short okay. so far. I'm okay with that because actually, to be honest with you, I know I'm playing the end game. Does that make sense in terms of mm. that I'm still under the care of my neuro, I've still got my new my MS neurology support, I'm still having more reviews with my MS nurse, all that is still happening. Mm. It hasn't stopped. That's why it's second opinion is best. And so all that carries on. And I'm just waiting to see to see this kind of new person, if you like. Um, and by the so way, I say to people, when you be proactive, if you yeah. get a referral, if your GP says, and there's no reason why they should say no, but if they say, yes, yeah, so I'm going to refer you to Dr. X that you've asked me to, then you find Dr. X's hospital, the yeah. email is up, and you send an email to Dr. X's secretary or whatever saying, does Dr. X need my scans? Because absolutely, you know, the NHS is not joined up in the way that you'd like to think. So if you're moving outside of a hospital network, I moved from Oxford to London, for example, for my care, you know, they, didn't, they couldn't just press a button and get my scans up. You know, so, but I could get my scans, I could request them from the hospital I was at, so you can do that. And I, I rocked up, it didn't cost anything because it's the Freedom of Information Act, and I rocked up with a CD with all my scans on. And, you know, make it easy for people. Don't just sit back and wait for it all to come to you. Because nobody, frankly, no. I said to somebody, I think it was my daughter, we talked about something entirely different. I said, nobody cares about you. In the big scheme of things, you're one of millions of people in London. So, you know, your friends care. But overall, you make things happen for yourself. It's actually even easier than that, to be honest with you. So, is I, it? yes, it is. I emailed the secretary to the consultant. But you want said, to go and see? Yes, to the to the. Should we say, I'm going to refer to them as new neuro and old neuro, even though I haven't met them yet. New neuro secretary and said, "How can I make things easier by?" Because and she said, 
tell me who it is that you cares under, who you've seen, and I will email them. So she emailed them and copied me into my copied my email in saying, please can you send me Wendy's record, blah, 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 blah. And those person replied back, no problem whatsoever. We'll send them over by a PAX. So we'll give you access by a PAX. PAX is the radiology system um, that most NHS trusts use. Yeah, most trusts use that, don't they? But yeah, okay. it's the... Um, but it's easy think, though, it really is. The point is, make it easy for other people. How can I help you? What can I do? You know, you've got this condition for life. So engage with it. Um, if you want the best care, if you're not happy, you may you may have sort of fallen on your feet and got the most awesome neurologist who started you on a high efficacy medication, wants to see you every year, wants to also scan your spine. You know, they've got a great MS nurse team, and that exists in parts of the country, but it doesn't exist in all parts of the country. And it doesn't need to be an area as well. I think that's your. I think you said that at the beginning yeah. of this, didn't you? Yeah, You're but you had to be prepared to travel. So. area. So somebody, I had a very similar conversation with a young woman and I said, well, you, the better options are not that near to you. How far are you willing to travel? And she replied and said, a couple of hours. I went, okay, fine. So, you know, you can sort of draw a circle on a map from where they live to a sort of couple of hours travel time. You know, and, and I thought, fine, you know, it's not me to tell you whether or not an hour or two hours or three hours is acceptable, but you need to decide that for yourself. I thought, Dom, how many times a year do you see them? That was my logic, is that I've gone out of area and I thought to myself, how many times a year will I, will I likely, you know, if things well, work one, out? unless it's going really badly. Exactly. So it's kind of like that once a year, I'm happy to get on a train and it is on a train mm. link. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's and, not and that far it. for you, is it, relatively? Not really. And we'll, it, it's, further really. than, it's further than old neuro. New, new neuro is a little further away than old neuro for you. but. Yeah. It's not like crossing the country, is it? No, not at all. And to be honest with you, I would have travelled to London. I would have travelled up north. It wouldn't have mattered to me because actually for me, what was more important is understanding that, you know, this person, this new neuro might turn and say, do you know what, Wendy, you're on the best possible treatment you could be on and that would be fine. What do you think the chances of that are? I don't don't know. I don't think (laughs) it's likely, to be honest. But I think... I don't know enough. I don't know as much as I know. And, you know, I'm happy to, mm. to hear their, their, that's why I'm going to mm. see them, to hear their opinion on it all. The one thing I'm waiting for somebody to tell me, um, I know it's happened in the US before because a US neurologist put me under discretion, but I have never, ever, me, anybody, ever had a neurologist say, so what are your goals for 20 years' time? Yeah, because it's, it's a disease that's with you forever. So kind of knowing what that person wants to achieve in their life, I think yeah, that's, to me, that's the killer question. Where do you want to be in 20 years, Wendy? Where do you want to be in 20 years, Dominic? You know, because that's going to shape the decisions you make now. And yeah, young it's... people aren't artists at all. 25-year-old person is not artists by a doctor. And frankly, facing disability, if I could have done more at 25, and I'm now 55, um, to uh, 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 you know maybe mitigate where I am now. Let's say the options were there. I'd be really pissed off if somebody, if the options had been there and somebody hadn't asked me that. Yeah, I mean they weren't, so I can't sit there and get my, you know, my knickers in a knot about it, so to speak. <laughs> Excuse it, but it, it, you know, because there were no drugs when I was diagnosed, but there's a lot of drugs now that are proven to have a significant effect on your long-term outcomes. And I think that's that's for me the the bit really is that I'm not prepared to sit back and not advocate for myself for something that's better yeah. or, or 
and it may not be available to me who knows but I'm not going to stop asking and I'm not going to stop trying and I'm not going to stop driving forward to try and help you know if somebody else comes to me and talks to me and says you know how did you do this or what can I do to help myself I'm, I'm going to do the same as what you do with me Dom and do with many other people which is you know what these are the options out there and take them yeah. because yeah. no one's going to stop you. That That's important yeah. that you do that None yourself. of them are perfect. And frankly, having MS is not perfect. So it's all compromises, balancing risk, reward, compromise, you know, er everything. You just kind of got to navigate your way through it in a way. But having that to me, that whole view in the back of your head about how do I make the long term better for me? How do I do my best to minimize the long term? Because you know that's everything that's gone through my head, and, and you know I see you, and we talked, and I thought it's not about Wendy now; it's about Wendy in twenty years' time. You know, when you're forty, and uh, thank you. <laughs> that's right. Younger than that, actually. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Did I did I underestimate you? Eighteen. Yeah, you older, All, right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyway, Wendy, I think on that note, let, let's wind this up because it's uh, as delightful as it is to speak to you. I think. Just remind people, everything's in the description below. So all the NHS, your right stuff, you're not going to run into problems with your GP. But if you ever want to make yourself happier that you're on a front footing, have a read of it. And you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. I mean, if you jump up and prod them in the chest across the um, desk and say you suck, that's different. You know, that'll probably see you taken out of the hospital. But that's a whole different kettle of fish. They're not going to be unhappy if you seek a second opinion, and possibly, ultimately, a referral. Yeah. Any thoughts? Or would you agree? Or I would absolutely agree. And actually, make it easy for them. Help them. Mm. You know, they are mm. so busy. You know, the, the clinicians that I know and have worked with for years are absolutely amazing people. They do a brilliant job. They've got fantastic skill sets. They just want to do the right thing. And actually doing this is going to help them as well. It's going to make their life easier. And actually, you know what? They want to work with you. They really do. And yeah. I think, you know, if you're if you see a different way of doing things, they're going to, in the mind, they are going to support you to do that. But you've got to know what you want and what you're aiming for. All right. On that note, folks, thanks very much. We'll be back probably in a week's time. So I look forward to seeing you then. Wendy, thank you very much for your input. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.